Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we're in week six of the NFL season. The Pittsburgh Steelers are gearing up for another division game, the division rivalry. We're going to talk at length about that. The Bengals are their next opponent, but with me, as always, is my co-host, Lance Williams. How are you this evening, Lance? I am doing fantastic, Jeff. Got a little haircut there. Oh, yeah, you got some, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got hopefully going to grow back. We'll just put it that way. You got so happy. <laughs> you got so happy about that victory. You just, uh, you just went for it, huh? Well, that's normally not my style. I'm normally a very superstitious guy, and if they win, I want to keep things the same. Um, the haircut was supposed to be the same one as last time, and we'll just say. It didn't. So we're going to grow it back. It's going to be fine. No worries. Listeners, uh-oh. <laughs> he said it. Listeners, Jeff said it. Jeff said he's a superstitious guy. I never so denied that. I never so denied that. So he, so he said, right, does that mean, Jeff, if they beat the Bungles, you will stay clean shaven? Or will uh, you? Well, yeah, because that would be the yeah that would be they would stack wins. I, I'll definitely keep the uh, the clean shaven look for sure. Okay, so that's that's the challenge. So Jeff has to say clean shaven and look like he's like twenty three. Hopefully for the remainder of the season. Yes. Yeah, that's, I'm all about that. But I'm let's just that. before we jump into the program and jump into the topics, um, I wanted to make sure that you guys take a look at the comments. Because there are a variety of ways in which you can catch the show. If you're looking at the show on YouTube, you can subscribe to the podcast via Stitcher, via Art19, via YouTube. Uh, you can do Google. You can do iOS. And those links will be in the description in the comments of the live program. So you don't have to feel like you have to catch the program live. In fact, I typically listen to the program in the afternoons, either on the way home or on the way to the commute. So if you can't catch us live and you still want to catch the program and catch it on your morning drive and not listen to Stephen A. Smith or those talking heads at ESPN, subscribe to the podcast and you can listen to Jeff and his freshly clean shaven self. Yeah, how about that? We're also on Spotify. I mean, we're on almost every single platform at this point in time where when we started, we were on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. That was it. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting stuff. Um, we hope that you all reach out and check us out in other venues because there are a few shows that are not on YouTube. So make sure you check those out. So let's get right into our Stat Geek segment. That's where we break out our geekiness. If I had glasses, I'd put them on. And my pocket... Oh, 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 oh. Jeff said glasses, Jeff. I wish we could pause... So you can go get the glasses. I don't have glasses. I have perfect vision. I don't need them. But... Listeners, you need to oh, go to Instagram yeah. and look up Jeff One Fit Dad. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff wore the, uh, the aviators. Man, the, Those the, are nice. the, the purple aviators. Yeah, well, they're bluish. They're just tinted, and it changes on the way down. Yeah, Jeff was trying to get the the smoky hot look on Instagram with the purple ace. You gotta Anyways. go. To Anyway. I want I, I want the glasses and clean shaven for the okay. win streak. That's what okay. I want. So I'll have the glasses next week if they win. But what, let's put our little pocket protectors in. We get our stack geekiness out. I'm going to go first on my stack geek. This has actually both of mine um, are going to be based around TJ Watt, uh, who had a tremendous game last week. And he really in two weeks has put up some incredible numbers week one against the Browns and obviously week five against the Falcons. So TJ Watt, if you didn't know, was rewarded the defensive player of the week award for the AFC. And it was his tw second time he's won that this year. So in week one, he won it after the Cleveland Browns game. And then he also won it this week after the Falcons game. This is interesting to me. Out of the Pittsburgh Steelers history, Watt joins only Greg Lloyd, who did it twice, and Mike Merriweather, who did it once, as the only Pittsburgh linebackers to earn AFC Defensive of the Year, Defensive Player of the Week honors twice in the same year. To me, that's pretty interesting. Um, the fact that there's a chance he could win it three times. I mean, he, he's done it twice in five weeks. Uh, if he has another breakout game, and it seems like in his career, he clumps these big games together. I'm not saying Greg Lloyd is 
he's not Hall of Fame material, and most Steeler fans that are my age probably don't know who Mike Merriweather is. Nonetheless, I found that to be very interesting. Lance, what is your stat? Well, let me comment on that stat first. Sure. Go and on. the interesting thing about that stat is he has those type of games. Now, riddle me this, listeners. That's great. He stacks these games, but there tends to be lulls in between those games. So for me, I would rather a steady, slow stream than the faucet bursting every six weeks where he could just give you that sack, that sack and a half, that consistent pressure every single game where he doesn't go multiple games with very limited production. Because I think this defense, although the production in the spurts is great, this is a defense that needs consistent production from its outside linebackers, where every game they're coming out with one and a half to two sacks apiece, or one guy's getting two and a half, one guy's mixing in one and a half, and they're kind of interchanging. Maybe one game they both get two, where this defense is coming out with two and a half to three sacks per game. It may not come from them necessarily, but I want to see consistent production out of Watt and Dupree. I'm not going to give back any of it, but I'd like it just to be more consistent. Well, let's be honest. The criticism you have is almost as damning to Bud Dupree as it is TJ Watt, because if Bud Dupree was still chipping in one and a half or two every now and then, and he's not having a bad year from a statistical stat slash sack standpoint, say that five times fast. Um, But, you know, if he were being more consistent, Watt's splashes would just be fine. But the problem is, is that, Neither of them are consistent. But go ahead, Lance. What's your first stat of the day? Let me give you a stat, and uh, it's going to be – I'll give you my second stat, and it's related to Ben Roethlisberger. But let me read this stat, and this comes from – let me credit the guy. Brian Harker uh, on Twitter wrote the following. James Conner is just the second player in NFL history to record two games with 100-plus yards rushing 50-plus yards receiving and multiple touchdowns within his first five starts. The first was Jim Brown. Also, James Conner is on pace for 339 touches, 1,859 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Anytime, even if, if it's a small sample size of five games, when someone can say your name, and Jim Brown, you're doing something right. Jim Brown is arguably the greatest player in NFL history. In fact, when they did the top 100 players of all time, the NFL Network, Jim Brown was number two behind Jerry Rice. We're talking about Jim Brown. Jim, as my dad would say, Jim friggin' Brown. So... That just shows you how good James Conner has played, and it goes to the point that we made on the last show about can the Steelers move on without Le'Veon Bell, and can James Conner be the bell cow back for the Pittsburgh Steelers? And it looks like if they just give James Conner the ball and incorporate him, James Conner is going to play good football if he stays healthy. That's a well of a stat, and that's a well of a comparison. And when you're a running back getting compared to Jim Brown, that's just incredible. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad you brought up our discussion last week, or I should say Sunday, on our post-game show about do the Steelers need Le'Veon Bell? Because honestly, I don't know if you read the YouTube comments. We were lambasted by a couple people that thought, like for instance, this is from Justin. Do they need Bell? Hell yes. Connor gave you one game. The previous four, he's been subpar. Obviously not true because of week one. Falcons are a trash defense. Home field advantage to boot. Come on, y'all are jumping out the window on this analysis. Yes, it's blasphemous and worse. Just silly. I was like, whoa, whoa. That's a little much for me. So I responded with, let's also, re- 
let's also realize those subpar games, the Steelers hardly committed to the run, which we talked ad nauseum about during our discussion. When they commit, it seems like Connor has proven he can get the job done. In an article that I wrote, um, and I'm going to bring up the, the stats here in a second. I'll throw it over to you so I can find. I actually did a poll on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com in the article of do the Steelers still need Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers offense to be successful, not to win a Super Bowl, not do they need him, just, just for the offense to be able to function. And it was shockingly one-sided. And I'll, I'll, I want there was another... Really good. Here we go. Uh, this is a great one. I don't even know how to say the person's name. Not going to try. It's a Connor gets a four out of four because we were grading the players. Okay. Against Atlanta, they are riddled with injuries, especially on the defensive line. Okay. You can read stats. Big. Wow. Atlanta was hurt. Baltimore shut him down. So he did good against the Browns and Falcons. Bell is the best multidimensional back in the league since Marshall Falk. Clearly you've never played the game at an elite level, nor coached. Bell scares defenses, period. Connor doesn't. A linebacker can cover him as well as a safety. Please get a clue and stop playing Madden. Okay. Then he goes on to say, well, he called us a name. It was really funny. I haven't played Madden in years. <laughs> just, just to. Oh, this is it. He called us the Idiots Know Nothing broadcast. Yes. That's what we should rename the show. Welcome to the Idiots Know Nothing broadcast. <laughs> You, you you know I don't take offense to no I don't comment. either I could care less what people say <laughs> you on YouTube know, you, I think you know it's I funny don't. but go ahead Lance and um I want to find I want to find those stats result or the results real quick for that poll but, but here's but here's the interesting thing we're not the only people that are talking about this and the person who put those comments out there may not have respect for us and that's fine. I don't know the person. You're free to feel however you would like. Uh, but it's not just us saying this. You know, you got profootballfocus.com out there writing articles similar to the line of thinking that we had about the issue. We're not saying that Le'Veon Bell is not a very good running back. We're not saying that at all. But what we're saying is that Connor has shown that if you if you give him the rock he can produce he would give you he would make you feel good that you could move on from Le'Veon Bell I mean if you're watching the game and you're watching what he does of course nobody's going to game plan for James Conner because it's been a five game sample size so I, I wouldn't game plan for him as well but when you look at the stuff that he's doing He's running with juice. He's getting stuff that's not blocked. He's catching the ball. He's breaking tackles. He's getting yards after the catch. I mean, I don't care what you think about the kid getting 185 yards from scrimmage against anybody in the National Football League is good. Atlanta's not giving that up every single week, and every running back in the National Football League isn't out there getting it. So you guys need to put some respect on Connor's name. And if the Steelers had any reservations about moving forward, his production should, uh, you know, should make them feel okay about if they don't have bail moving forward. And the Steelers should be happy that James Connor has gone out there and produced like he has in these short five games. Cause what he's shown you is if you give him the rock, he is going to produce. Okay, I found I found the the poll results to the question I asked in the article, and the question was simple, similar to the headline of the article: Would the Steelers' offense be fine or okay without Le'Veon Bell? And we had two thousand six hundred and fifty votes, and eighty six percent, two thousand two hundred eighty seven said yes that the Steelers' offense would be fine without Le'Veon Bell, whereas three hundred sixty three said it would not. So. I don't know if that's kind of knee-jerk because I wrote that on Sunday afternoon after the game had completely had completed, and obviously James Conner was coming off a nice game. But nonetheless, I think there's more people out there that are seeing the writing on the wall in regards to Bell's future, 
And they're also seeing the fact that James Conner is playing well when they commit to the run. So I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I did want to rehash those results. Um, good stat by you. And like you said, anytime James Brown's name is brought up in the same sentence with another running back, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Okay, I'm going to go with my next stat here, Lance. It's another one about TJ Watt. And I this was interesting to me because it wasn't so much about defensive player of the week, stuff like that. This came from Don Marnelli. He's part of the Pittsburgh Steelers public relations team since entering the NFL in 2017. So all these stats are from 2017. TJ Watt ranks tied for fourth among all NFL linebackers with 13 total sacks and is one of six linebackers with at least 10. So listen to these names. Since 2017, Khalil Mack has 15 and a half sacks. T. Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, 14 and a half. Vaughn Miller, 14. T.J. Watt, 13. Tied with Ryan Kerrigan, 13. And Justin Houston with 12 and a half. That's pretty interesting to me, because if you're talking about just since T.J. Watt's been in the league... Now, a lot of these players are at different points of their career. His name's up there with some greats. And the crazy thing is, is I don't think anyone thinks, and anyone that watches the game would know, that TJ Watt at this stage in his career is not like a, he's not a technician. He's not like Von Miller. But at the same time, can you really argue with results at this point? I can't. 13 sacks is 13 sacks. Yeah, you would like them spread out. That's, I think that's impressive. That's just me. I found that on my end. I'm just going to say this, Jeff, and I'm going to answer or comment by saying this. Did Jarvis Jones have 13 sacks in his career? No, he didn't come close. I think he had six. There you go. No, but I mean, yeah, you have, hell, you compare me to Jarvis Jones and I don't look that No, bad. no, no, no. What I'm saying is that, <laughs> you know, what, I, what I'm saying is that, is that, they're already getting elite production out of this guy. Okay. And, they had, okay. and they had a previous first-round draft pick that they could never get elite production out of. Yeah, so no. okay. it, just, it just shows you that even in, in his infancy at the position, you're getting elite-level production. So Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that was interesting. So, Lance, go ahead and do your next one. Well, I, I want to incorporate – the other stats that I have when we ask the true and false when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, because I okay. think those, you know, pertain more to that specifically. But, yeah, I want those guys to keep listening. Definitely. <laughs> hey, I look, I run, a, I, I run a big website. Lance, you've run websites before. You learn that even bad publicity is still it's what? Publicity. Good publicity. Maybe I should play Madden, but I only have a PS3, so – you know, I don't know if those games still work on my console. So, uh, do you want to know what the last gaming console I had? Because I don't even have one. That's a PlayStation, the first one, the original. That was the last gaming console I had. Dude. Yeah, that's that's it. Yes, you are. And I'm only 35. I'm considered the millennial, the very beginning of the millennial age. People are still, you know, people my age are supposed to be gamers that are up late at night. No, I don't have time for that stuff. Okay. Enough of that. Let's talk about Bengals, Steelers, AFC North, and more importantly, rivalries, because that's kind of the headline of this article. It's the article tomorrow. It's a headline of the, the, the post, the, the podcast, whatever you want to call it. The question is, is maybe the Bengals are becoming the Steelers' biggest rival. And the, the one rebuttal you always get right off the bat is, well, they have to win to finally be considered a rival. And I get that. I get that. But when I think of rivals, I think of competitive. And I do think this series is competitive. And I think of hatred. That's what I think of. That's just me. I'm not the be-all, end-all. Everyone has their own opinions. And if you think about those two factors, I think that they would can be considered, if not the biggest, but the best rival that the Steelers have currently right now. And I wrote an article today about how the Steelers and Bengals, in my opinion, is the ugliest rivalry in the NFL because of the way and the nature of the games have been played in the last few years. Not the best. What do you think, Lance, in terms of the Bengals? And I know what you're going to say, but how you view them in the hierarchy in terms of Steelers rivals? 
Why? Well, I, I think you framed it very well when you said ugliest, because biggest and ugliest are definitely different adjectives. Ugliest, I would definitely agree. You talk about the Juju Vontez Perfect hit standing over Vontez Perfect. You talk about the Vontez Perfect hit on Le'Veon Bell. You talk about the hit of Heinz Ward breaking Keith Rivers' jaw. Uh, you talk about the hit on Antonio Brown. Wasn't it by Vontez Burfick in that playoff game where he knocked Antonio Brown out? Yeah. You know, you talk about Joey Porter coming on, the, coming off the bench. You know, getting that penalty on Vontez Burfick would set up the field goal. And the reason why you know all that adds to it, but the reason as well why this rivalry is so ugly is because the Steelers typically win all the games. As well, and I think when a city calls your team the Bungles, it just eats at you. When everybody in Pittsburgh says, we day, who day, we day, when a coach in Bill Cower is laughing and yelling that in a in the locker room after the game, especially, and here's the thing that adds to the fact that it's the ugliest, Jeff. T.J. Hushmanzada wiping his cleats off with the terrible towel. I mean, even the Raven guys don't do that. So ugliest, yes. Biggest, no. And the reason why it's not the biggest, man, they ain't ever won a playoff. They, they Last time they won a playoff game, they had Tim Crumry. This was maybe, what, 88, 89? I was a freshman in college. It's the last time I think they've won a playoff game. Now, if I'm wrong, Bungle fan out there, please correct me. Some playoff games. And until our matchups actually get, like, till we're meeting in the AFC Championship, until your, you know, your rival is winning Super Bowls, it can't be the biggest. I mean... You're still the Bungles in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh. We don't even say your name. We at least say the Ravens. The Ravens get that acknowledgement, although there's no such thing as Ravens week. Definitely no such thing as Bungles week. So until you force me to say your name, you that other person. You're like when they used to never say, uh, Kornikova's name on the broadcast on CNN because she never won a tournament. They would just say, yeah, that tennis player. Maybe if they got rid of Marvin Lewis and actually won a playoff game. Ugliest, yes. Biggest, nah. It, it, it's, it's, it's still the Ravens. I'm going to disagree with you. And it's because the two factors that I, I mentioned – I think that the Ravens lack something that the Bengals have, and that's the hatred. I, I, I can't stand it. You always hear it now. I said this on our, I don't know if it was on this show or the preview show before the Ravens game in week four, that, I mean, I miss the Ravens-Steelers games that were actually, they, they couldn't stand each other. Heinz Ward going after Ed Reed. Heinz Ward going after Ray Lewis. Joey Porter getting on the bus after the game, going after Ray Lewis. Bart Scott almost decapitating Ben Roethlisberger. Santonio Holmes being the dagger. And it just has lacked it. It's, it's lacked it for so long. Even if you watch the game on Sunday Night Football, it didn't have that, that it factor. These Bengals games, they do. And I'll tell you what, the Bengals are a talented group. They've always been talented. And I think this vitriol this uh angst this animosity started in 2005 and this was after the keith rivers incident but it was close and that was when chemo van olhoffen rolled up on carson palmer and when he did that and that was the year that the Bengals thought they had the team that was going to be able to go past the steelers and go into the playoffs and win their playoff game and beyond and there's a lot of Bengals fans that hate the steelers just because of that one play but then from that, you went to Troy Polamalu breaking out, breaking Chad Johnson's gold teeth on the field. Um, all those instances that you mentioned, this to me 
if you take out the competitiveness, and that's difficult for a lot of people to do, but if I can, if I can take that competitiveness out, I, st I, th I think they're the, the biggest rivals now. I think that the, this game, you can hear it already from the players in the locker room when you listen to the comments this week and go back and listen to comments before week four, totally different. These guys were on edge this week, not in week four. They talked about respect, and you know what? They can appreciate the Ravens, and they understand the the nature of the rivalry, and it's just good, hard-hitting football, blah, 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 whatever. The Bengals, you can tell. It, one, one hit you forgot last year was George Iloka going high on Antonio Brown on that touchdown catch. He got suspended for a game, and then they rescinded that to a, to a fine while Juju's uh, suspension held up. That ticked me off. Don't think that Vontez Burfick's not going to be looking for number 19 going across the middle. This game, and Ryan Chazier, that was where Ryan Chazier went down last year. My goodness, this game was like a bubble ready to burst. I think they, I think it is. Now, we did a poll on our Behind the Steel Curtain Steelers Twitter feed. If you don't follow us, do so, at BT Steel Curtain. All I asked was, who's currently the Steelers' biggest rival? Gave three options, Ravens, Bengals, or other. 63% agreed with Lance. We had about 1,000 voters. 63% agreed with Lance and said the Ravens. About 30% agreed with me and said the uh, Bengals. And a 7% said the other. I'm assuming the other would be people that still think like the Cowboys or the Raiders or some team like that. Definitely not the Browns. But nonetheless, 7% said other. Um, yeah. I, I, do you at least see my side of the coin here, Lance, or you just still think it's, it's the Bungles? I see your point, and I'm going to tell you who the other percentage is. The other is, and big up to Keystone Wolf 814. The other is Patriots. Good, yeah. That, 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 that's the other. There but like you said, they're not our rival because we don't beat the Patriots, so it can't be a rivalry. Yeah, and the, the Patriots don't hate the Steelers. Like the, Steelers the, Patriots, hate the, Patriots. the Patriots don't hate the Steelers because they just beat the Steelers. <laughs> Why hate somebody that you beat all the time? You actually like them. Yeah. And just get up. They'll play zone. We'll shred it up, and we'll go to the Super Bowl again. Here's a hit that you forgot in the Ravens series. When Ray Lewis shattered uh, Rashard Mendenhall's collarbone on and that hit up the it middle. Actually, it actually is shoulder blade shoulder it was, blade it was a scapula it's doctors are saying that's normally an injury that you see in a car accident yes yes <laughs> and ray lewis stood up over him and was talking basically yeah yeah i, I, I broke you in half come get him i mean I, because he was talking that stuff like ray wasn't anything but and ray lit him up but you don't have that anymore in that game you, you, you don't. It, it, it lacks that. I miss that. That was here's awesome. A, here's another hit from that series. Ryan Clark in Willis the AFC Championship on Willis McGahee when he said, the reason I hit him like that, because if I didn't, he would do the same thing to me. And the guy was in the hospital when he said it about him. <laughs> you but can't that, ever. No, you can't but, ever like that stuff is a stat that's that that leaves an imprint on the rivalry. Okay, it, so so wouldn't it, it, it be it, the same with the Bengals with all these hits that we're talking about? It's a little bit dirtier, but I but mean, the Bengals, but the Bengals don't win anything. Well, the, they're like the I little said, they're like the said, little brother of the division. They're the little although they beat the Ovens all the time. They're the Bungles. I mean, until they become the Bengals in Pittsburgh, they're the Bungles. I mean, I. I mean, I didn't even know they were the Bengals until I was a teenager. I just assumed they were the Bungles. Myron Cope said it. I believed them. They were the Bungles. Who they? We they. Oh, yeah. I'm getting fired up for this game already. So let's start talking about this game coming up week six at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. Like I said, this was the scene of the crime last year. Vontez Juju, George Iloka, Antonio Brown, unfortunately, Ryan Chazier. Interesting quote I heard I read today. Uh, Will Graves of the Associated Press was in the locker room and asked Bud Dupree what he remembers about Ryan Chazier going down. And he said that he and Vince Williams didn't know what had happened. They knew the end result, but they didn't know how it happened. They thought he was 
he was cheap shotted. They thought a Bengal did this to him. And they spent the entire first half going out there trying to kill somebody to seek revenge. And it wasn't until halftime that they saw the replay and realized, well, shoot, this didn't go down the way we thought. So that was an interesting uh, aspect of that that I thought was interesting. So let's go into our true or false here. We're going to do most of our preview on this show in our true or false because it's going to be almost all based on the upcoming game. And then we'll give you our picks and predictions as always afterwards. So the first one here, Lance, this is one that you thought of. Big Ben Roethlisberger is playing as well as the statistics suggest. Now let me give you, do you have his stats here? Or do you want me to read them off? Go ahead and read them off, Jeff. Okay. So far his season statistics for 2018, um, he's completed 138 of 215 passes for 1,664 yards. That is a completion percentage of 64.2%. His average pass is 7.74 yards. His long is 75. He has 11 touchdowns to six interceptions, a QBR of 64.9, and a rating of 93.2. So, Lance, again, Ben Roethlisberger's playing as good as those stats. True or false? False. Let me give you two stats, and these stats come from Pro Football Focus. The first stat is Antonio Brown. Leads the NFL with 21 inaccurate targets. Number two, Big Ben has the third highest percentage of negatively graded throws. Now, the first that we saw that show up in the Atlanta game, and, and that's led to the whole comments about the Wi-Fi, that the Wi-Fi isn't strong, it isn't connected, and unfortunately for us sometimes the Wi-Fi is it strong? It isn't corrected. And we apologize for that. But we've seen that on the field where there has been a bigger disconnect between Ben and Antonio Brown than usual. And we have seen Ben make a lot of bad throws, some poorly bad choices, him reading defenses incorrectly. Just think about the terrible interception that he threw against Atlanta is that he almost threw equally as bad a pass on the play before that when he threw it to Antonio Brown towards the boundary, to the right boundary, into double coverage that was almost picked off so by, by Trufant. So the stats are the stats, but I don't think Ben is as sharp as he would have liked, and I don't think he's playing the caliber of football that he would like. And he's basically said that in some of his comments in the Post-Gazette when asked about how he's playing this year. So I think for them to win – in Cincinnati in this tough divisional game, he's going to have to be sharp. He, we, The Steelers cannot avoid some of the offensive lulls that they had, particularly that they had in that second quarter. They're going to have to convert third downs, although they were, I think, about 9 of 12 in that game. That was their best conversion yeah. day of the year. They're, it's going to have to repeat that pattern, and then it's going to have to be sharp, really sharp in this game. Well, they're going to need second half week five Ben to show up. But so you're saying that he is it's false. He's not playing as well as the statistics suggest, correct? Correct. Huh, see, this is here you know what's crazy about this, and I'll explain this. If if you were to say he's playing as well, throwing the football to anyone not number eighty four, I'd say true. Because he is throwing the ball well to other players. Um, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster's numbers. You look at Vance McDonald, Jesse James, um, James Conner out of the backfield. He's not playing horribly, but for some ungodly reason, he's playing horrible when it comes to throwing it to Antonio Brown, only the greatest receiver in the game right now. So I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with you because it's not just that he's not throwing the ball well to AB, it's that he throws the ball so much to him that it's a large portion of his attempts. So false, he is not playing as well as the statistics show. But if he can become consistent, and that's his whole freaking team, all right? This team is just one giant inconsistency, and it starts with number seven on offense. If he can be consistent, everything else will fall into place. So I agree with you. We'll say that it's false. Now, here's an interesting one, and this is very much dictated by how the game starts. We've seen this go south quickly against um, Kansas City Chiefs. We saw it go south quickly as well against the Baltimore Ravens. 
true or false statement is James Conner will get 20 or more carries on in week six versus Cincinnati. True or false? I think it's true. I think the Steelers will take a look at the Carolina game and see some of the success that Carolina had with Christian McCaffrey running in between the tackles. Because I think in that game, Carolina was the physical, more physical team. And I think Carolina really took it to that front. And I think they had a lot of success really double-teaming Geno Atkins and really running in between the A and B gaps. So I think they're going to mimic some of that stuff and try to really be a physical pounding running team and run between the tackles and set up play action. So I think he is going to get 20 touches, be it 20 running plays or be it 20 touches in the passing game. I think he's going to probably get more than 20 touches. I think he's going to get his 17 to 18 carries, and he's probably going to get about four to five targets as well. I think it's going to be a heavy James Conner day because I think they know with the Bengals offense, they need to keep the Bengals off the field. Boyd is playing fantastic. A.J. Green is fantastic. We know how good he is. And you have Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, um, you know, even the tight end. I can't pronounce his last name, but the tight end that's filling in for Tyler Eifert is even playing well. So they know that's a high-powered offense. And I think they saw the benefit of the style of play that they had against Atlanta. You keep opposing offenses off the field. You control the clock somewhat. And you have long drives and you can protect that defense. So I think you're going to see James Conner as a member. I think they're not going to neglect him in the game plan moving forward. Yeah, you kind of said it right there. I I, I don't. I think the Steelers found, or I hope they found, somewhat of a recipe for success offensively. Um, it doesn't mean they have to do that every single week. But at this stage, I think that they can approach the Cincinnati Bengals defense and say, we want to be balanced. We don't want to, We don't need to be pass heavy, and even if the Bengals get the opening drive and go down and score, we still should stick to running the football. This is a high-powered offense. If they want to be, they can still put up points. I'm going to say that James Conner is actually going to get 20 carries, and then he'll also get another five receptions on top of that. So I'm going to say Here's 25 the, touches. Here's the other thing with that. I mean, the strength of the Bengals' defense is that front. You know, with Dunlop and with Geno Atkins. I mean, if you're running the football, they're not sacking the quarterback. So that's your advantage as well. And wear them down. Wear them down. Try to – you don't have to do the no huddle. Do maybe some muddle huddle just so they can't substitute some of those guys. Get them tired. Grind it. That's what you want to do. That's the approach they should take. All right, next one. We're going talking about the Bengals' defense now. We talked – you just mentioned Carlos Dunlop, Michael Johnson. uh Geno Adkins, they can put pressure on the quarterback. True or false, the Bengals will have three or more sacks of Ben Roethlisberger. It should be noted the Atlanta Falcons did not sack Ben Roethlisberger once in week five. True or false, Lance, three or more on Big Ben this Sunday? I'm going to say false. I think if Connor is getting the number of touches that we suggest, that Ben's pass attempts will be kind of in that low 30s, high 20 range, and, and I think because of that, them running crossers, running some shorter stuff right after the catch stuff, they'll take some shots downfield. I think they'll be able to contain that pass rushing group, and I think I'd say two sacks. I'd say two sacks with some hurries and some pressures where he's getting rid of the football. I don't think three plus. You know, I think that group up front can handle that front from Cincinnati, so I'm going to say false. I'm going to say true and just stick with three as the number. I think that he, if, if you look back at the game last Sunday, when they ran the ball successfully, and I was glad that they finally did this, play action became more of the offense. And they were able to get the ball downfield. That 47-yard bomb came on play action, I believe, to Antonio Brown. That also leaves you vulnerable with a typically, you're talking a six, seven, eight-step drop. For quarterbacks, I think that the Steelers, it, it's a good defense. And you talk about Carl Lawson's a guy we didn't even mention already. He's a pass rushing specialist. They can get after the quarterback. I'm not sold on Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle. So I think that they do get to Ben. I don't think it's some ridiculous statistic. I just think that they'll get to him three times, bring him down. That seems like it's pretty typical for this uh, series or this season series, but with the, with the Bengals, I'll say true. Okay, next one. 
the Steelers will be on the positive side of the turnover margin this Sunday against the Bengals. Lance, true or false? I agree. I think they will. I think this is a game where you're going to see bad Andy. And we typically see bad Andy in this series for some particular reason. Maybe it's the coverage looks. Maybe it's the pressure. Bad Andy has a way of showing up in this game. And I think they are going to get pressure and they're going to be able to bring bad Andy out. I think they'll get an interception off of Andy and I think they will get a fumble. And I think they're going to secure the football and not turn it over in this game. And I think they're going to win the turnover margin in this game. I'm going to say the Steelers will be plus two in this game. I'm calling my shot. Plus two, book it. Steelers win the turnover margin. You say plus two, I'll say plus one. I agree. I'd say true. I do think that they'll have one turnover, whether it's a fumble or whether it's an interception, but I do think they'll create some. Um, I'll say plus one. And that would be good for the Steelers. I think the team that wins this turnover margin might just be the winner of the football game. Last one on this game. The Steelers defense will give up three or more big passing plays. You you wrote this one, Lance. You want it to be passing plays, or are you just talking about, we'll call them splash plays of 20 or more yards? How do you want to frame this? You could say splash plays. The three or more splits could so it could be a run or a pass. Yes, yes, okay. it can be. Okay, so we'll, the Steelers defense will give a three or more splash plays on Sunday. True or false? Hell yeah, they will. You know they will. <laughs> Hell yeah, and big up to Chris. Don't kill me for saying your last name right, Chris Baylon, who said I'm scaring him with my positivity. Well, Chris. Let me get back into the guy that I really am. Hell yeah. They're going to give up three or more big plays. You know this defense. Hell, they're going to give up three big plays in the passing game. Let alone, we know that Joe Mixon's going to pop off a run when they're in sub packages. Joe Mixon is a whale of a back. Big, fast, shifty, a ton of juice, physical through the hole, physical when tackling breaks tackles. Joe Mixon is a monster. Joe Mixon is that running back that everybody would know if he wasn't in Cincinnati. Joe Mixon is, is, is a baby Todd Gurley, in my opinion. So what? He's, no. He's, I, I said baby Todd Gurley. Baby, not juvenile, but baby Todd Gurley. But absolutely, this defense is going to give up four big plays at minimum. Okay, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I... Hold on. I'm going to say true as well for all the reasons that you just said, because I guess we have a Bengals fan in our live chat on YouTube. Oh, he just said site. Dang it. He said, if the Bengals lose, I'll burn my signed AJ, AJ Green jersey. And I was like, please get us the video so we can show it. That would be phenomenal. But then he said he wasn't going to do it. Come on, man. D Claw 3632. If you're going to say that stuff, you got to do it. It signed AJ Green jersey. Why would you even threaten that? I wouldn't threaten a signed Steeler jersey for nothing. But anyways, let's talk about this game. I think there's a lot of hidden matchups that are really going to be interesting. For instance, there's very few cornerbacks, in my opinion, that have slowed down Antonio Brown, let alone really young quarterback cornerbacks that have done so. I mean, people talk about Richard Sherman when they were in Seattle a few years ago who manhandled him. Um he had some great battles with some of the Ravens like Jimmy Smith. William Jackson III for the Bengals has given Antonio Brown every bit of a hassle that some of these other guys have, and he's still a very young corner who missed his entire rookie season with a torn pectoral muscle. That's the player that the Steelers were supposedly going to draft, and the Bengals took them right out from underneath his right out from underneath their nose, and they ended up drafting Artie Burns in the first round. I am excited to watch Antonio Brown. I think he hears what people have said about William Jackson III and how well he plays against AB. I know that Antonio Brown's going to want to go out there and prove a lot. So I'm excited for that matchup. But is there any key? Is there any matchup that you're particularly excited for in this game, Lance? I think the one thing in the Steelers' favor in that matchup is William Jackson's a bit banged up was limited in practice and is questionable for the week six game against the Steelers. So 
I think that's an advantage there. I think Juju has action against any other cornerback on their roster, particularly Kirkpatrick or Darquez Denard. I think he can work either one of those guys. And I don't like the safeties. The safeties can't run. I think Sean Williams is a limited player. Jesse Bates has showed up okay in the film that I've seen. But I think the Steelers have action against this secondary. Drake Kirkpatrick is absolutely the candy bar. He's the Skittles, the candy bar, the Juju Bees. He, you know, he's the baby Ruth of that secondary. But it all comes – they've got to get that front blocked. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what this defense is. You've got to get Atkins, Johnson. You, you've got to get Dunlop. You've got to get those guys blocked. You got got to get Lawson blocked. If you can't block that front, you can't play against this defense. If they can block that front, they're going to be opportunities in the passing game. And I was just really surprised at the interior of that defense, how they were really gouged and gutted in the running game by Carolina. Carolina out physical them. And I think if the Steelers can commit to running the football and if they can run it successfully, play action is there and it will absolutely work against this secondary. Can we just call Drake Kirkpatrick the basketball? Because he was the guy that laid you on Bell stiff arm so hard into the ground and he just bounced right back up. <laughs> yeah, like, he dribbling a basketball. Okay, we have some questions here from our live viewers on YouTube. And if you are listening via podcast, you can find us on YouTube by searching BTSC Steelers Radio every Wednesday night. If you're watching live, you can hop on the live chat. And this thing has grown uh, tremendously. I think Lance will agree um, since we started this thing. I mean, we've got a ton of ton of people in here. It's good to see. I love all the Steelers talk. And we even get some opponents because I tag them in this these shows as well. So here we go. Rapid fire here, uh, Lance. What if Boswell misses another kick? He'll miss another kick the following week. Boswell's <laughs> the place kicker. There's there's no other guy. I agree, hundred percent. He signed a deal for money. He's going to be the kicker, and he's going to have to get it right. Right. Has LJ Ford proved himself enough to see the field more? He had he missed practice today with an ankle injury. FYI. Absolutely, he's a much better option in sub package football than either Williams or Bostic. They're going to keep Williams or Bostic on the field with him, but yes. He should play more than definitely Bostic and sub-package football. He can actually run and move with tight ends. Okay, next question. Can the Steelers slow down the Bengals' uh, wide receiving core? Yes and no. Yes, if the front is getting pressure. And that's one thing that also showed up. The Bengals have great sack numbers. They've only given up nine sacks this year. They have a very good adjusted sack rate according to football outsiders, but it's kind of like the stats are lying to a certain extent. If you watch the Bengals this year, take a look at the Dolphins game. Take a look at the game against uh, Carolina. Take a look at the game against the Ravens. They've given up pressure, and Andy Dalton's been really good in the pocket being able to avoid pressure and extend plays this year. But although the sack numbers are positive, they're giving up pressure. And I think the weak link on that offensive line, it has to be the left tackle in Glenn. And and I, and I think one of the Cordy Glenn, Cody again, Cordy Glenn, excuse me. And I, and I think one of the key matchups in this game is Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree has to win that matchup, and he has to dominate in that matchup. And, and, and another key matchup is going to be Hart, the right tackle, against, um, you know, T.J. Watt, and it's going to be. Bud Dupree against Cordy Glenn. If the Steelers can get sustained pressure, I think they got action there. But, you know, the scary thing about this Bengals team is that is the emergence of Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is playing great football. And and I think you're going to have to play a lot of too high safety looks. Cover one is dangerous, I think, with those two guys. And that puts the Steelers in some situations where they're going to have to defend the ball or excuse me, defend the run very well against Joe Mixon in sub package football. So I think that's the key is how do they, how can they control Joe Mixon when they're in subs? Cause if they can do that, they can really play too high safety looks consistently in the game and really guard against the deep pass. But this is a game where they got to tackle well as well. I, I like some of the matchups there, particularly up front 
with this Steeler front getting after that offensive line of the Bengals. Okay, next question. How important is this game for the AFC North race? It's 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 definitely Uh-oh, already have lost, you know, and already lost a game to the Ravens. Uh, you know, you could potentially be in last place in the division. I mean, I think they have to win two of the next three games, particularly they have to, and if you're going to lose any of those games, it would be the Cleveland game. You have to beat Baltimore and you have to beat Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not overcomplicated. It's a numbers thing. Four and one, two, two and one Steelers win three, two, one, four, or then they go to four and two. You're only one game back. You still have one game in, in hand with them. You're under control of your own destiny. That's the key for me, folks. If you're asking me what's the number, it's do you control your own destiny? If the Steelers win, they will still control their own destiny within the division. Um, so there you have it. Um, let's see here. Lance, do you believe A.J. Green will have three touchdowns? No, but I think A.J. Green will at least have one. I think with the emergence of Tyler Boyd, if they have multiple scores, which I think they will, Tyler Boyd will get one of those. I think they'll try to take A.J. out the game and make Tyler Boyd beat him. And to Lawrence Holcomb's point, I think he brings up a critical thing that we have not mentioned as of yet. Great point, Lawrence. Penalties. Penalties are key in this game. The Steelers' defense has to not shoot itself in the foot in this game. You can't get blow to the head couple of those penalties by Bud Dupree. You can't get roughing the passers. You can't get stuff like that because defense is not good enough to give anyone free yards. Another guy is John Ross. Another guy is a John Ross, his vertical threat and what it and what it brings, although he was limited with a groin. You know, if he plays, he has the ability to take the top off the defense. But big up, great point to Lawrence Holcomb. Penalties are big in this game. All right, let's get down to brass tacks here, Lance. We're talking predictions. We're talking picks. The Steelers in the opening line, I have not checked. A recent spread is the Steelers were three-point underdogs, so the Bengals are obviously three-point favorites at home, which is a standard home spread. They're basically saying that this is a pick game. Who do you have, and what's your final score? I'm going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers to go on the road. darn it. What the hell? I'm Why are you pick, doing this to us, man? Stop. I, I, I'm going to pick the Steelers to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win the game 28-24. I, I, I think when Tyler Eifert went out, I think that was the key in this matchup. I think when Eifert plays, he really attacks an area that the Steelers are very vulnerable in, and, and that's being able to to protect the seams in the gut and the interior of this defense. And also, I don't like how Cincinnati's offensive line is playing. I think the Steelers have action against their offensive line, and I think they can get sustained pressure. But more so on the offensive side of football, I think they found a formula in trying to feature Connor Moore and running the football and really trying to play complementary football and playing to the strengths of this defense and trying to keep this defense off the field. And so I just like what I saw in that Atlanta game. I think they carry that momentum into this game, and I like the Steelers to go on a road and beat Cincinnati 28-24 in a game that they have to come back in and probably score late to win. Okay. I get that. All right, I'm going to go. Obviously, I think the Steelers are going to win. If you follow I dare them. you, Jeff. I, 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 I dare you, Jeff. I dare you. I double, I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you to okay. pick against the Steelers. I, I, I triple, triple. No, 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 no. There might be people that are listening for the first time. I rarely ever pick against Pittsburgh. I have, I have, but it's not going to be this week. Similar to what Lance said, I like what I saw from Pittsburgh because, in my opinion, the Week 5 Steelers is what I expected from the Steelers all along. I also think that it's going to be a lower-scoring game than people think. I'm not sure of the over-under on this game off the top of my head. I feel like I'm unprepared for this show. Um, But I'm going to say that the Steelers win this game 24-20. 24-20. Um... Chris Boswell is going to make 
a field goal, which is better than none. And I think the Steelers put up touchdowns. It's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a, a field position game. Jordan Berry, oh, Lord help us. He's going to need a good game. Um, you know, just <laughs> not, not pen, like you said, penalties. Penalties will be huge. Turnovers will be huge. It's which team will take advantage of the other's mistakes. Think back to the last time these two teams met on Monday Night Football. And it was close, and the Bengals came out all guns blazing, and they took out, jumped out to a huge lead. And you can chalk that up to Shazier's injury. But I'll never forget the Le'Veon Bell touchdown where William Jackson the third, and I want to say it might have been Pac-Man Jones or it might have been a safety like George Iloka, just watched him run by. Uh, that that's the stuff that sometimes happens that you can't always count on that happening. I hope the Steelers are offensively prepared. I hope they stick to the formula that you spoke of, and I hope that they are more than ready and willing to um, to get it going. Now, I do understand that a lot of people were well, especially Isaac. I know he was really pissed that you picked the Steelers, and rightfully so. I was too, Isaac. I hate it when he picks the Steelers. Um, they're going to torture you in the first game. <laughs> yeah, he said he's going to torture you in the first game. Hey, man, I triple, I triple dog there, Jeff, to ever pick against the Steelers. I picked against him last week, last year, week 15 against New England. I said the New England Patriots were going to win. Maybe that's not going out on that far of a ledge, but I did pick against them. So it did happen. It's, it's on. That's, that's, so that's on once in four years. That's once in four years. Yeah, that's once in. 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're such a homer. You're such a homer. You know what? I did, hey, I want to read this comment because spooledup.tv is a Bengals fan. He's watching the show. He said, who day? Okay. This is a good show. I like how unbiased it is and how it's not bungles this and bungles that. Well, he obviously missed your spiel at the beginning of the show. But um, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. I, I hope that people from the other side of the fence can watch this and say, eh, I learned something about the opponent this week. I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, yeah, Isaac, man, Isaac's so upset. He's not even watching the game now because you picked the Steelers. He said there's no use. He just sealed their fate. Hey, spooled up. We, we, we appreciate it, man. But, you know, you're not going to get that other name out of me. You know, you, <laughs> I'm old school, man. You're all the bungles. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. You know, y'all the bungles. Big to, up, Spool. To wrap this up, you did tell me you had a WTF for today, yes? Or are you leaving that on the back burner? Nah, man, I got a WTF, man. If by chance, Snoopy D.O. Double Jizzle, Long Beach Finest, Deep Cover Gin and Juice, Steeler Fan Snoopy D.O. Double, that's in the locker room with the Steelers after Super Bowls, partying with the Steelers after they win. Come on, dog. You can't be a Browns fan. Why are you showing up at the Browns practices? Browns win a couple of games, Snoop. Now you want to be a Browns fan? Come on, man. You can't be a Browns fan and a Steeler fan. That's impossible, right, Jeff? You can't do that, can you? Yeah, well... My personal opinion is that you you have one team, and that's your team. That's you, what I'm saying. If some people say I have an AFC team and an NFC team, no. You have one team. You find one team. You love that one team. It's like marriage. You stick with that team, and they will piss you off, but you stay with that team. One. And don't, don't, get, you, don't get yourself in trouble, Jeff. <laughs> but Snoop, man, you can't be a Steeler fan and be a Browns fan. You cannot do it. Either you ride or die with the Steelers, the black and gold, or you don't. Can't be a Steeler fan. Can't be a Browns fan. You either a Steeler fan or no fan. That's how we get down. That's how we rock. That's how it is. So Snoop, hey, Steeler Nation, go to Twitter, put Snoop on blast and tell him he got to pick the Steelers. Somebody else. You can't be both. WTF Snoopy deal double jizzles. Yeah. Uh I don't care what Snoop Dogg does. He if he wants to go, he hung out with the Raiders. He wears Raiders gear. Um, I care less. Yeah, care less. 
Come on, Snoop. Come on, Snoop. The only thing I like. The only thing I like about Snoop Dogg, and I, I was a fan of his rap back in the day, his music. But in 1994, the Gin and Juice video, he wore my favorite Pittsburgh Penguin jersey of all time, which I just got a Mary Love You jersey of that jersey is black. And it says Pittsburgh in block letters across diagonally across the chest. He repped that hard in that video where he's riding on the bike. I always appreciated that. And he was getting his hair braided too. Yes. So he he's so, black and gold, man. So if he wants to go talk to Baker Mayfield, that's fine. I'll always turn back to Gin and Juice in 1994 and say, "You're good." Money. Laid back. <laughs> on my mind. Exactly. Rolling down the street. Come on, uh, Snoop. What's up? What's up, Snoop? Come on, man. Come well, that's on. <laughs> Come on, Snoop. Lance is obviously upset. Um, so with that said, we're going to end the show on that note. Make sure you join us next Wednesday for another episode of The Standard is a Standard. Even though it's a bye week, it won't be as long as the show. We'll probably recap what happened, maybe talk about divisional race, stuff like that. Uh, we're definitely going to give you some content tomorrow night, Thursday night, if you're listening, depending on when you're listening. Join myself and Brian Anthony Davis for the preview show. We'll dig deeper into this Bengals-Steelers matchup. And then, obviously, after the game. Lance, you going to be there? I believe so. Oh, I believe so. Boy. Get your pitchforks ready. All right. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Standard is the Standard. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.